Welcome to the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where personal finance is about the person, not the numbers, and budget isn't a four-letter word anymore. And here are your co-hosts, financial coach Jacqueline Wise and Michael Dickey. Hey, everyone. We are so excited for this episode. Michael Dickey here, uh, along with our amazing financial coach, Jack, coach Jacqueline Wise. Um, how you doing, Jacqueline? I'm good. I'm so excited for this episode. How are you, Michael? I'm, I'm good. I'm excited, too. You know, we've been in pandemic mode for so long now. It's like going on a year, right? Like we've officially, more than a year now, we've officially been in quarantine mode. And at this point, I think that everyone is just getting that itch to travel, take a vacation, kind of looking into the future and thinking about the fun things that we can be doing, especially that vaccines are starting to get rolled out um, and travel restrictions are hopefully being relaxed soon. It's, you know, it's time that we thought that it's, let's start thinking about family vacations, fun vacations, and what's a better place than, than thinking about a Disney vacation. So, um, before we get into it with our special guest, uh, you know, we want to reiterate that you should obviously follow local and federal travel and safety guidelines while traveling and take any and all precautions as necessary. And if that means you just need to wait, then by all means be safe and wait. So like I said, today, Jack and I have a very special guest that is going to help us navigate planning a Disney vacation. As you might know, Kelsey and I have two young children and we're really looking forward to taking our kids to a Disney uh, theme park here when it's safe to do so. For us, it's closer to just drive to Disneyland. It's like a five-hour drive, which is which is not bad, or an hour flight, which is not too bad. Um, but obviously, there's a lot more Disney stuff that you can be doing in the future here. Uh, and Jacqueline's a, a frequent traveler to Disney parks too, right? So between the, the two of us, we wanted to talk to all you listeners out there about planning a Disney cave vacation from both of our kind of different perspectives, traveling with younger kids, especially for the first time, and traveling as an adult or a family with older kids, um, and you want to do something a little different Disney-wise that you've never done before. Jacqueline, tell us about your, your Disney uh, history. Okay, well, my parents first took me to Disney when I was like nine or 10. I got to visit again as a teenager with the marching band. And then as an adult, I've gone five times in the past wow. five years uh, for all different things. Some just like trips with John and me, my husband and others for bachelorette parties and different things. I'm a huge Disney fan. Um, one of my favorite memories actually happened recently. Now that Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars area is open. I'm a huge Star Wars buff. And uh, we were one of the very first ones on the Millennium Falcon ride. In fact, the very oh. first people on the ride the day we went. That was like my goal. I wanted to be first in line. And we had the first boarding group for Rise of the Resistance, uh, which is like a really complicated way or not super complicated, but kind of complicated how you even get to ride that ride. And John and I like practice leading up to that trip. So we are really proud <laughs> that we got in the very first boarding group for Rise of the Resistance. But other than that, I just love Disney so much in general. It's one of my favorite places. So That's yeah, so awesome. Disney fan over here. Great. You know, I, I think I can't even remember. I think I've been twice I know I went to Disney World when I was probably six, maybe so young, but I think I honestly still have memories um, of some things. Um, and then I know I went in high school for our marching band as well. And I, I feel like we went maybe one more time, but um, I'm really looking forward to kind of experiencing it as an adult with kids too pretty soon. So that's, yeah. that's pretty exciting. Um, so let's, without further ado, let's welcome our special guest expert, Stacy Ellis. Stacy is a speech pathologist in Marshall, Michigan by day and also has been a travel planner with Key to the World Travel, an authorized Disney vacation planner for the past three years. 
She has completed the Disney College of Knowledge and receives updated training each year so she can best serve her clients in planning their dream vacation. Along with Disney, Key to the World planners are able to assist travel assist travelers plan vacations all over the world. While working with Key to the World, she has access to experts in all sorts of types of travel, cruises, groups, all-inclusive resorts, road trips, internet, international travel, other theme park destinations, and of course, all things Disney. Di Stacy has been to Disney World more than 16 times and taken one Disney cruise. She has been to every Disney World resort and almost every Disney World restaurant. Stacy, welcome to the Physical Fitness Podcast. Thank you, Michael and Jacqueline, for the opportunity to chat with you today about my favorite place, um, travel hobby and vacation planning. I'm excited to share all my information with you. Great. Awesome. Um, so let's let's just start right in with the most basic question that's probably actually really complicated, you know, so simple is complicated. What are the different options that we're talking about today for Disney vacations? I know there's Disney World, Disneyland, like there's so many cruises. What are the major Disney destinations that are out there and what are the pros and cons and your you know, kind of brief, you know, your opinion and a brief opinion of each? You are absolutely right. The, the Disney family is huge. Um, it's located all over the world and um, not just on Disney Plus, not just in Disney movies, but you physically can go experience Disney. And that is what makes it magical. Um, there are two main parks in the United States, the first being Disneyland, which is located in Southern California. It is the first Disney park. Walt built it himself. He was alive and able to make a lot of those decisions. Um, within Disneyland, there are two theme parks a shopping and a restaurant area, and there's three on-site hotels that are located nearby. Um, exciting, there, uh, Disneyland just announced a new expansion. Um, it's called Disneyland Forward. Um, it's going to be within their current property, but it will have new rides, new attractions, new restaurants, and a focus on new technology. Um, it's expected to take a lot of, or quite, quite a few years, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Mm. Um, Disneyland itself is a much more intimate experience. Um, it's only about 100 acres and located in the middle of an urban area. So that's a pro and a con in the fact of, you know, you can go visit Disneyland and then an hour later go to the beach, um, you know, and in between there's a whole big city to explore. So it's, um, you know, definitely you know, just a theme park within a city. Um, a pro of that being that there's a lot of offsite accommodations within a walking distance. So for a quicker trip, Disneyland is a much better, um, you know, you're able to get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Um, heading east, uh, Walt Disney World, that's in the Orlando, Florida area. Um, and that is itself a huge complex. It is about 43 square miles big. And oh. most of that has not even yet been developed. So I, Walt was um, able to help with the purchase, the secret purchase of the Walt Disney World area. However, he, he did pass away before um, the opening. So that was kind of sad that he missed some of that. Oh. But um, on October 1st of this year, Disneyland is celebrating its 50th anniversary, which is mm -hmm. kind of exciting. A lot of fun things are planned. Um, and then within Walt Disney World, there's four theme parks two water parks, a shopping and restaurant area, 18 whole golf courses, a mini golf course, um, the ESPNY world of sports and uh, over 25 on-site hotels. So just listening to that makes Disney World a little bit more overwhelming in yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, sure. So 
that is the con I think that I think about Disney World is that it's so huge that it can be really overwhelming, especially for first time visitors. Um, a pro is that there's a thing called the Disney bubble, which is a real term that um, you basically can arrive and do everything Disney and leave and only see Disney World. There's not really, I mean, you can close your eyes on the ride to the airport and back, but other than that, you can just immerse <laughs> yourself in that world. Um, and it's also so big that you can go multiple times and not see anything. So I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and do then, you, oh, go ahead. Do you find that people that are planning trips to the Disney World, that they like, would they rather get it all in a week or do they kind of chop it up and they do short trips, but they focus on different areas? So what happens is a lot of families planning their first trip, you know, they, they try to squeeze it all in. They want to try every park. They want to try every restaurant. And I, I gently guide them in the knowledge of, you know what, you're not going to be able to do that. That's not going to happen. Let's pick your top 10. Let's try to decide, you know, what's your favorite character? What's a great restaurant? You know, what does your family want to do there? And that's going to be your goal. And then everything else will be a bonus. Um, once people go, I find that they go into two different groups. Either they're like, yep, one and done. That was too much. We're not going to ever go again. Or they're the people calling me on their flight home. When are we going again? You know, they mm -hmm. want to go back. They want to experience something else. They understand that Disney magic and are just, you know, understanding that, you're not going to get it in seven days. You're going to want to go back. And, you know, sometimes they head back for a short weekend just because they, they know there's a festival coming up and they want to go experience that. So, um, you know, so again, it just is, just is very individualized. Yeah. That makes total sense. Do you, you know, quickly, what are, are the Disney cruises still going right now or what's, what's the plan with those? So they're still on pause. Um, everything is on hold, at least out of ports out of the United States. Over in Europe, they're doing some, not Disney, but they're overdoing some, they're called cruise to nowhere. So basically they're having all of these test cruises where people can get on the ship and they're using all of the new protocols to make sure they're able to stay virus-free. But as far as Disney Cruise Line, um, yeah, everything's on pause, um, especially the Alaskan cruises. Those are definitely canceled um, as the ports in Canada have been, or Canada's borders have been been shut to us for um, at least through February of 2022. So um, we're all kind of just waiting. You know, I get an email about once a week about updates and most of it's just another pause in in, in cruises. So they do have four ships. Um, two of them are smaller, two of them are a little bit bigger, and there's one more that's in works. It was supposed to be August of this year, be its first voyage. Well, that has been pushed back and it keeps getting pushed back. So hopefully, hopefully soon we'll hear that. I think the whole cruise industry really wants to get back sailing. I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's, they've been hard hit. I'm sure. Well, let's, let's quickly talk about some, not, maybe not even quickly, but <laughs> let's talk about some, you know, you, you, we've, we've kind of talked about maybe uh, focusing on Disneyland or Disney World, maybe you made that choice. What are some of the big planning decisions that you need to consider when you're kind of uh, starting to plan that trip? What do you think is important to know that will help you plan your vacation? What information do you like to get from your clients that helps you ensure their vacation is a success? So being up here in Michigan, most of my guests come from people that live in Michigan or the surrounding area. And most of us just head directly south for our vacations. We go right straight to Orlando. There's almost that spring break line of cars back and forth. So Disney World is definitely more of what my guests are thinking about when they hear Disney. I know over over you guys in the West, you're, uh, you're more Disneyland, but um, 
a lot of what happens when they first contact me is they see a commercial on TV or they're, you know, have a friend who visited Disney World or, you know, they watched a movie and, oh my gosh, we have to take my kid to go see Disney. And so they come to me and they're like, we just want to go to Disney. If they've never been before, my first step with them is to sit down and have a conversation, what it means to visit Disney. Start with some of those really big descriptions of what I just gave you, because you know, again, a lot of guests, they don't even, they, they see the Magic Kingdom Castle, Cinderella Castle, and they're like, that's Disney. They don't realize there's three other parks to explore. So I definitely make sure there's a general understanding of what Disney is when I first talk to them. And then we move forward with, with some questions of having them describe to me what their ideal trip is. Um, tell me why they're going. Is it a celebration? Is it a first trip with your children? Is it um, an adult trip? Is it your grandma and grandpa want to take the kids because they took mom and dad, you know, 20 years ago and they want to take them to experience the same sort of vacation? Um, so these general questions help me put together a specific plan and suggestions for them. So the more they can tell me, um, the, the, the more specific I can help guide them, such as what resort might be the best for their family group. Um, how many days they, you know, a, a visit would match their family, when are they going to be able to go? That's a big one. Um, a lot of families are really stuck that they can only go during certain times, such as summer or during the Christmas or during school breaks, like spring break, or some families are like, we can go anytime. So that's important for me to know. Um, also tell me how your family likes to spend vacation. Are you guys a busy, busy? Do you like to plan every single minute by minute? Or are you more of a spontaneous relaxing? type group. Um, every family travels differently and D Disney can fit into those travel plans. We just have to get those in that information and then I can show you how to enjoy Disney. That's great. Michael, I would love for you to guess which type of Disney uh, trip taker <laughs> I am. If I am spontaneous or planned down to the minute. I, I know for a, you're planned down to the second, Jack. <laughs> I know that. And you probably guessed that I am super spontaneous and random and a lot of and yeah, you know, random choices at the last minute. That is exactly how we, yeah. how we you and I should not go to Disney together no, because not. we would do Disney very differently. Would, yeah. <laughs> That's a great uh, podcast episode though. Yeah. <laughs> Stacy, financially, this is like one of the big things we wanted to talk about in the podcast today. Like how much can you typically expect to spend on a Disney vacation? And even like what types, what tips do you have to financially prepare for that? So I get this question a lot. That's one of the top 10 questions that I, I get um, after people decide they want to go, they need to figure out, well, yeah, how much are we going to actually spend? A lot of people are really surprised when they find out how much a Disney vacation costs. Um, it's, I describe it to them as an investment of your family's time. Um, Disney is not cheap. I mean, there are definitely ways you can spend less money and a lot of ways you can spend more money. But in general, you know, I, I need to make sure you understand that this is not going to be a quick, you know, weekend trip. I mean, Cedar Point, I'm, you, I'm sure you're familiar with Cedar Point. This is not a quick Cedar Point trip that we're just going to go there and drive home, um, especially if you're coming from a longer distance. Now, if you're a Florida resident and live 20 minutes from Disney World, then definitely this is a different answer for you. But um, so when I answer this question, I always use the term, it depends, because it does depend. It depends on so many factors in looking at your total cost. I mean, some of the things that we have to look at are your transportation costs. Are you going to need a flight? Are you going to rent a car? Are you driving yourself? 
um, accommodations, obviously. Um, Disney has offsite and onsite. It, it also has with especially Disney World, there's 25 different resorts to choose from. And within those resorts, there are different room types um, and different amenities that we can add to your to your stay. Um, park tickets also play into your total cost. Um, how many do you want? And then what kind? Again, extra, extra um, additions you can add to your tickets. Um, food, everybody's got to eat, especially at Disney. That's a thing you do there. I encourage everyone to eat at Disney. So many things to eat at Disney. So um, planning ahead of how much you feel your family's going to eat is helpful in budgeting for your trip. Um, and then finally, what time of year you're going to visit. Um, I know when you're restricted to a certain time, that kind of limits you. But if you're able to go at different times, knowing that Christmas, spring break, holidays, 4th of July, those are much more expensive than going during the off season. So that's helpful to know um, looking ahead. Um, I recommend planning as far in advance as possible for a trip. Um, even if that means it's two to three years in the future, I can look ahead using current prices, using historical prices. I can give you a general idea of how much your trip is going to cost. When you give me some of your information from our conversation, such as the transportation, who's going, that sort of thing, I can pull together numbers and give you a general idea. And that will help you think ahead, you know, oh my gosh, that total is way out of our budget. We got to either plan more, we got to take away, we have to sort of look ahead. And my job would be then to say, okay, where can we cut a little bit? Or maybe you may wait a year and save a little bit. And then, you know, that way you can go when you have financially how much you're able to, to spend. Um, so roughly, these are really rough estimates that I put together, but um, currently Disneyland is not open. Um, they Since the shutdown, they haven't opened yet. However, they're slated to open April 30th. So soon, hooray, um, but they're only going to be open for California residents. Mm -hmm. So pricing is not yet available, but looking back at um, like 2020 prices for a family of four, a four night stay with three day tickets is about the $2,500 to $3,000 baseline range. And that's for an onsite accommodation in your tickets. That's not transportation. That's not the dining. That's not extras. Mm -hmm. So that's a good baseline. You know, again, you look at that number and you're like, okay, let's add to it and we'll go from there. Um, on the other hand, Disney World is open and they're ready for your credit card. They're ready for you to visit and <laughs> come and enjoy, enjoy what they have. Um, so for a family of four, a seven night stay with five day park tickets is about 3,500. Um, that's at a value resort and it can go up to 7,000 or more, depending on if you would like to stay at that deluxe resort with a theme park view and have park hopper tickets and visit um, the parks every single day of your visit. And that is also the on-site prices. So they can be pretty similar in price depending on what options and how many days you want to add to that. Um, Disney, Disney in general also has promotions that they... Um, release throughout the year, they're about three to six months in advance. So even after you book a Disney vacation direct through Disney, if a promotion comes up later in the year, closer to your vacation dates, I am able to go in and modify your price um, to add those promotions if they're applicable. So that's important to know that sometimes there are ways for that price to go down after you book. Yeah, that's so, really cool to know. I can share yeah. that like John and I, we've gone a few times as adults and we typically do a three or four day trip out the door. I want to say we spend like 2,500 that is with flights. 
um, for a three or four day stay. Typically we'll stay at value or sometimes we'll stay at like a moderate resort. And that's still, we try to keep it around that price point. So for anyone listening with two adults, that's been our experience the last few times. And that, I think it's just really helped me now that I've been there so many times, I know what to expect for food. I know what to expect for transportation, things like that. So I know when it's a good deal or when it's not at this point. So I have a question, um, you know, you're talking about depending on the time of year, seasonally rates or, or prices can be way different. Do, do ticket prices for the resorts themselves fluctuate with the season or are those steady? And then it's the, the hotels and the, that kind of stuff that is more expensive. How does that seasonality work? So it's both. It's, okay. It is both. Yeah, there's a range. Um, Again, it just, you can sort of expect it. If Christmas time tickets are going to be the most expensive and, and the, your resort stays are going to be the most expensive, a less expensive time would be in the middle of August. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be probably your least expensive time. Um, and the range in tickets is probably, they do it by day. So again, the ticket prices are a whole conversation in themselves because you can buy a one day base ticket and then add days to that. Um, the difference between a, six and a seven day ticket is about $18. So that's not too bad. But the difference between a two day and a three day is about $120. Wow. So when thinking about ticket prices, you also have to consider the more days you buy, the less you know it costs to add more. But the same is sort of true as you're looking at prices throughout the year. Um, you know, you can get a ticket on a good day in August for about $90 for an adult per day. But up at Christmas time, it starts about 120. Hmm. So, um, and again, those are very estimated um, prices as of right now. And Disney, Disney occasionally during the year does raise their ticket prices. But once you buy them, they're yours and you, you can guarantee that price. So. Perfect. Great. Well, Jacqueline, so that's that gives us a really good kind of baseline estimate, Stacey. That, so that's really good. Jacqueline, if, since you're the financial coaching expert, why don't you briefly talk about how you coach your clients kind of on the specifics of budgeting for a vacation like this? Yeah. So one of the best things you can do is first understand, like, what is your total trip going to cost you. And whenever we're coaching our clients, we always say round up, especially yeah. when it comes to Disney, I would definitely recommend rounding up. You always want to plan for expenses to come in higher. And then if they come in lower, you just feel like you're winning with your money, which is a wonderful thing, right? So having an idea of your total costs is important. And then, you know, if you want to pay for that trip in cash or not have to put any portion of your trip on a credit card and you know be carrying a balance afterwards what i really coach a client to do is take that total cost and divide by the number of months until your trip and be setting that money aside in a vacation savings account until you actually take the trip now some aspects of your vacation might have to be paid for ahead of that timeline so you know sometimes we're looking at well when do the hotels need to be paid for when do we need to be reserving the tickets especially right now with COVID, you know, when you buy Disney tickets, you have to make a reservation at the park you're going to visit and things like that. So some of those things you do want to pay for in advance. And some of those things you can pay for when you get there, like your food and any like extra transportation you're going to do and things like that. So sometimes we have to shift those timelines forward, but 
putting that money aside in a savings account and then not feeling like you're worried that you're going to be paying for this vacation months and months after it. And, you know, sometimes even years and years after it is such a relief. So really having that savings account and setting something aside monthly, that's big. And Stacey, when you were talking about like looking for, if you want this trip to happen on the sooner side, you know, are there some expenses we can give up because Disney is the value and having this experience is the value we're most focused on that can help you, you know, get to that, that monthly number, every number to put aside into that savings account. If that dollar amount isn't available in your budget right now. So I would say that's probably my biggest tip, Michael. That's great. Do you, so I, I mean, I don't think anybody's really taken a vacation in the past year and, but do you think now people should just start saving money into a vacation fund? Because I'm sure people are going to want to start doing that. So put, putting some money in right now, just to start to have something. Oh yeah, definitely. My clients who don't have any trips on the books right now, we're still putting something aside because when the world opens back up again, everyone's going to be wanting to travel at that point. And even people who are using travel points and things like that, it's like, there's going to be a lot of people traveling with, with that kind of thing too. We're all like banking our money and our points right now. And then when the world opens, it's, it's going to be crazy. I think. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's probably going to be lines out the door everywhere. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's, let's transition into kind of more, more specific planning details. And this one is really for, for, for my peeps uh, with little kids, first timers. Uh, Stacy, what are some things you want to consider when planning a trip uh, with younger kids? What's your, like, what's your family's survival tips? So one of the things I like to have parents think about are ages. That's one of the, it's a financial tip as well. So Disney considers infants ages zero to right before your third birthday. Children are your third birthday to right before your 10th birthday. And then adults are 10 and over. No matter how tall you are, no matter how much you eat, Disney considers you within those age ranges. Hmm. So if you are on the cusp of one of those transition of ages, then you may want to consider timing your vacation. Um, to that. So infants and infants under three are free. So yeah, you don't need a ticket. You can share food. A lot of people, if they, when they hear that, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to go when our kid turns three. We're going to go when they're two months, 12, 11 months old or two years, 11 months old, because they can save a little bit on that. And I highly encourage that. I mean, that's great. You know, so again, just kind of take that into consideration as you're planning your trip, Um, you know, for your little five-year-olds, you have a long way until they're 10, but, you know, definitely fit them in before they're 10. Um, just so that you can take advantage of, excuse me, of that. Um, and then one of the biggest things to consider is understanding your own kids, thinking about how, you know, how your kids travel in general, um, you know, taking their strengths and their limitations, they're going to act that same way at home as they are going to act at Disney. So, and, maybe even a little bit more exaggerated because Disney is very overwhelming. So if your child is an early riser, take, take advantage of that. Be in the parks when they open. If they're a night owl, gosh darn it, stay until the park closes. Be those last people that leave. Um, if, they're, if they need a nap and you're in line to go for a ride, guess what? They're not going to enjoy that ride. Pull them out, go for a nap, come back. The ride will be there waiting for you. Um, if they're hungry, buy them that Mickey ice cream bar because you know what? You're in Disney and take a picture because they will love that Mickey bar. So in general, just, you know, it's, it's, it's important that you have a realistic expectation in your head of what your, what your child will, will, will focus on. My youngest child is, um, 
is a lot more reserved than my older child. When we took my older child by herself on our first trip, when she was three, she went up to Mickey and started dancing with him. Hmm. My younger child saw Mickey and hid behind uh, when she was three, she hid behind my, my legs. So I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's Mickey, just go. And I had to take a pause and be like, you know what? I can't push her. I can't force her to love D- Mickey. She will, mm-hmm. I promise eventually, but you know, it's, it's not going to be any fun now. I mean, you want to encourage as much as possible, but um, just know that you can't make your kid love Disney just because you're there. So just kind mm-hmm. of have a trip that matches, matches your family. Um, I highly recommend a stroller. Um, that is definitely a must do. You're going to be walking up to 10 miles a day or more. Um, even if you have a five-year-old and you're like, they don't need a stroller. Yeah, yes, they do. You're, you're going to want an umbrella stroller because they're going to get tired and you're going to want to get somewhere. And it's just as easy to plop them down and push it. Um, you don't have to bring your own. There's lots of ways you can rent them if you don't want to cart it back and forth as you're traveling. Um, I encourage everyone to build in a resort day. Um, especially if you're going to be there for a lengthy period of time. Um, Don't go to more than three days in a row to a park without having a rest day. Stay Mm -hmm. at your resort, enjoy your pool, go have a character dining experience. Um, Sometimes those memories are more fun. Your kid will remember, oh my gosh, remember the time we were at the pool and I did a flip and, you know, Mickey Mouse, you know, was well, he's not at the resort, but I mean, you know, there, you know, we just, and then we went and saw Mickey Mouse at Chef Mickey. So, you know, just, just kind of keep that in mind that there's so much more to Disney than visiting the parks, especially with those younger kids. Um, the more you're prepared, the better. Um, I know it's good to surprise and those Facebook and YouTube videos of everybody surprising their kids are amazing. And there's lots of tips and Etsy different packages you can buy, but as adults know what you're getting yourself into. Don't walk through the doors. I know you like to be spontaneous and that's cool. I get it, but you're going to have such a better time. If you understand even the layout of the park, you're going to get there and be like, okay, I know that we want to go on Dumbo and then go see, um, I can't even think just Dumbo and Haunted Mansion and something else. And you're going to have a general plan because your kids are going to want to do things when you get there. So just kind of think ahead. Um, and I had mentioned it before, but making a top 10 list, um, again, if you talk to your kids before you go, great. If not as adults, think about 10 things that we want to get accomplished this day. Um, whether it be trying to find a character, whether it be riding that ride or eating that dinner, is if you can get those 10 things done, that's awesome. And then everything else is a bonus. So um, especially again at Disney World with it being so overwhelming, it's really important to have that those realistic expectations and you can have a magical day. It's okay to, to sit and stop for 10 minutes and watch the ducks in front of Cinderella's castle playing around. I mean, it's okay. Cause again, that's what your kids are gonna remember. Um, so yeah. awesome. I, love I love that, that. Stacey. How about some highlights for couples without kids who want to visit Disney? What are your pro tips for that? So in general, a trip without kids is usually much less stressful and allows for more freedom. I mean, you're not going to push around that stroller or carry around your 25 pound backpack filled with baby supplies. Um, however, you still have to think about adults in general and, and take their personalities. Um, I personally am nonstop. I will get there when park opens and I can go until it closes. My husband has learned to do that. Um, he's, that's not in his nature, but I have trained him well. He, he, he likes it, but we visited with other adults and they're like, uh, no, after lunch, they're ready to go back to the resort, take a nap, enjoy their afternoon, and then come back for dinner in the evening. So as you're planning an adult trip, just kind of keep that in mind that just like children, adults definitely have their own travel personalities as well. Um, so 
adults visiting have just as much right to have fun as families with kids. I mean, that's important to know too. I know there's a saying of, oh, Disney's only for kids. Well, you just smile and nod and be like, yeah, no, you're whatever. Okay. You can think <laughs> that, but that's not true. Um, I'm personally going, Ben is celebrating his 40th birthday in September. And I said, what do you want to do? And he basically said, I want to go to Disney with my friends and go to the food and wine fest and enjoy Epcot for a weekend. And that's what we're doing. So it's okay that's so cool. that that's your that's your adult trip. Um, so again, you can go with adults to celebrate lots of different things, a honeymoon, a new job, a big event, any big event, a divorce. Um, you know, you can just a new life change. So celebrating at Disney is a great way to reconnect with some of those adults in your life. Um, a couple considerations that I think about is that with adults, you might be able to be more flexible with your time to visit. So I encourage you go during the week. Don't go during traditional school breaks. Don't go during spring break. For an adult trip. I mean, that's, there will be kids there. There'll be a lot more kids there. So if you aren't interested in that, try to, you know, maybe try a different time of year. Um, go during that festival. I mean, I mentioned the food and wine. It's fantastic. Every country in Epcot has a booth that has different food and drinks from their countries. Um, and honestly, Epcot's turned into this festival all around the year. So anytime you visit, Epcot is most certainly going to have some sort of festival for you to enjoy. Um, with adults, sometimes it's okay to spend a little more money on that deluxe resort, splurge on yourself, be able to enjoy a, a view of that castle or an upgraded room. You know, that's that's just kind of a nice thing to do. Um, there's VIP tours that you can do. That's kind of a nice addition as an adult. Um, and then there's a lot of restaurants in Disney. Some of them are considered the fine dining, um, and those are really Awesome. I um, have had the experience twice of an adult only trip eating at California Grill, which is the top of the contemporary, which overlooks Magic Kingdom. After you eat dinner, you can go out on their little walkway and watch the fireworks at night. Um, that's that's pretty awesome. I'm getting my my, my Disney tingle right now thinking about it. But <laughs> um, so so as an adult, you can definitely have as much fun. Yeah, I love that. I'm so glad you brought up a few minutes ago about the having a resort day. That's one thing I told John on our next trip because we've never built in a resort a resort day. We just go for like three or four days in a row. And you're so right. Like three is the most. On the fourth day, your feet are so sore. You need you need a day to relax. So how about like any recommendations for people who have been to Disney multiple times like we have? What are some things we might be missing that we should make sure we check out? Absolutely. So especially Disney World, like I said, with it being so big, you can visit multiple times and not see everything. I'm really sad to report that I have not ridden on Rise of the Resistance, which is like breaking my heart. We were supposed to go last August it, with COVID. It just didn't work out. So we have yet to be able to plan to go. Now we are going in June and I'm going to go to Hollywood every single day until I get that boarding pass because <laughs> I need to go on it. So, you know, and again, we visit very frequently, um, you know, before COVID, we were going two, three times a year just to go down there as a family. Um, and each time was different. We visited during different times of the year. So you get to experience different decorations, different activities, different festivals at Epcot. Um, you know, we often stay at Pop Century. That's kind of our home home resort, I would say. But we've also tried every state to have one night at a different resort. So whether that be a um, moderate or deluxe or a different value, we try to expand ourselves a little bit. So that's something that a person visiting multiple times could do. Um, you know, try something out. Every resort is definitely different and offers different amenities. Um, I mentioned attractions, um, especially with the 50th anniversary coming up. Disney World is, is 
up and everything. They, and a little construction has been delayed, but they're really trying hard to have some new activities ready. And that's supposed to last um, about 18 months is what they're saying. So all the rest of 2021 through 2022, there's gonna be a lot of new things going on. Um, some things that some families like to do is to try a new challenge. So when my family goes, again, pre-COVID, we always would try a four park challenge, which is we visit all four parks in one day and we had these special requirements. So you had to visit the park, you had to eat a snack, you had to use a bathroom, you had to try a, an attraction or watch a show, and then you leave and go somewhere else. And so it's kind of a fun thing if you've been there multiple times and don't need to see everything in one park, try something where you know, you can have that family challenge, try a new snack. Um, so it's just kind of a cool way to, to try different things. Um, something to consider, and I was able to be fortunate enough was to be an annual pass holder. Um, I was able to do that um, in 2017. My family had planned a couple different trips already ahead. And financially, we looked ahead. And if, if, if you are booking about three trips in one calendar year, that's about four days or more, getting an annual pass holder can be financially to your advantage. Um, and there's some discounts that come along with that. So that was helpful. But um, so that's something to consider if you travel multiple times. I love that as an idea. That's a great, a great tip. If you're going a lot of times, it's one of my life goals. It's in my five-year plan to be an annual pass holder. <laughs> Yeah, it was when we bought those tickets, I think I cried Disney tears. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a pass holder. Could you get like a really cool bumper sticker? And there's these magnets that you buy. It's like this special club that, you know, us from Michigan, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tricky to go as often as we're able to go, but um, it's, it was kind of fun. So yeah, that's great. Super cool. What are some of the most common questions people typically ask when they're planning their Disney vacation? Sure. So again, some people have a whole list of questions. Some people come with me and they're like, I don't even know what to ask, right? They just know they want to go to Disney and they don't even know where to start. But some of the questions that I get, um, a lot of them are financial. I get, does a Disney vacation really cost that much? <laughs> and I have to say <laughs> it does. Um, you know, again, let me, let's work through this and we can plan and kind of crunch the numbers and see if we can take away. But that's a big question I get. Um, another one is the difference between staying offsite and onsite. Um, you know, both Disney World and Disneyland offers both of those options. And so going through that is helpful for them. Um, and with that, where's the best place to stay for my family that, you know, that matches the size of our family, where we want to stay, the location, that sort of thing. Um, I get, um, when can I go when there aren't crowds? or hot weather and um, so I can see everything. <laughs> and I said, well, Disney is always busy. Um, it is, there are times when there are less people there, but definitely it's, it's, it's a popular attraction. So um, what you see on TV with the single family in front of the castle with nobody around you, it, it might happen, but most of the time expect to share Disney with lots of people. So it can, it, I can tell you for sure it will be busier during Christmas and spring break and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a huge holiday. Lots of people there. So if you don't want crowds, avoid those. Um, and then honestly, most recently, a lot of questions about COVID, the new policies, um, and then current cancellation. A lot of us had trips booked in 2020 that were canceled. And so people are really gun shy about booking with with and making sure they have flexible cancellation policies. So, yeah. And so that leads us to a great point. Like it's March 27th, 2021, while we're recording this right now, what are some of the COVID changes and restrictions? I know you said Disneyland is not open yet. What are some of the other things that have happened since COVID? 
Sure. So to get the best information, I recommend everyone to visit the Disney, both Disneyland or Disney World's website. There's a right at the top, big bold. There's a no before you go. And that lists all of the changes. Um, some of them are confusing if you're not familiar with what Disney used to be like, but in general, it lists all of the changes. So I, when a person books their trip or thinking about a trip, I definitely share that information just so they know what they're getting themselves into. Now, these changes change all of the time. Um, you know, we get an email about, okay, they're changing. You can't, you no longer can wear this type of mask or they are opening this new attraction. So just like everything that we've been used to in the last 12 months, just expect that what you hear today, like you said, might be different tomorrow, but in general, a couple changes, um, facial coverings are mandatory for ages two and over, and there aren't exceptions, no medical exceptions, no age exceptions. Um, be nice to cast members when you go because they're only there to enforce it. Um, lots of social media posts about angry people about, well, they made me wear my mask during a picture. Yeah, sorry, that's the rule. I mean, so you have to wear your mask during rides. You have to wear them during pictures. Essentially, the entire time you wear your facial covering, except when you are in your resort room, you're able to take it off, but also when you are at a restaurant when actively eating. Now, if you're sitting at your table in your restaurant, looking at a menu or waiting for a bill, um, you do have to put that facial covering back on. So Disney has been very strict with that, but they've also been very um, positive with their COVID outcomes. So it's been helpful. Um, so along with the masks, their social distancing um, we're, that's like the buzzword of the year. I think we're always yeah. going to have that word in our head. Never forget what social distancing means. And it's but... going to make us throw up in our mouths a little bit every time we hear it after COVID's done, right? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and I think it's going to be my family. We were watching a movie the other night and they were close together and they were somewhere. I don't know. And I'm just like, oh man, they're so close. It's like weird. Like we've now triggered our brains of like groups of people is bad. So yeah. It's, it's just interesting. But at Disney, they um, use a lot of visuals to help with that social distancing. There's markers on the ground all over the place. Um, in the park lines, they've definitely tried to space people out. Um, restaurants have reduced some of their capacity. So now it's a little bit harder to get some of those popular restaurants. Um, and with that, the advanced dining reservations. So some of Disney's re um, restaurants require a reservation in advance. Um, it used to be 120 days and now they bump that up to 60 days. So um, it, popular restaurants are just, again, like I said, a little bit harder to get just because of that um, reduced capacity. Um, character interactions are different. Um, no longer, well, Epcot has just added a new one where you can stand a little bit farther away. They'll take your picture with the characters in the background. But in general, you're not going to wait in line to visit Mickey Mouse right now. You're not going to get a signature right now. Um, they have informal cavalcades, which is their fancy word for short parades that randomly appear throughout the day. They're not scheduled. You're not going to find times of when a character is going to appear. So for those of us that were really interested in making sure that 3 p.m. parade was right on our schedule, you don't have that anymore. There's a little bit of freedom in that. So you don't have to manage your whole day around that. But um, just know as a current visitor that you may or may not see a character. Um, that I know, um, Jacqueline, you mentioned those park pass reservations. That's really important to know that once you buy your tickets, um, Disney's requiring that park pass, which is not an extra cost. It is, if you have a valid ticket, you go online and register your ticket on your, my Disney experience account, and then you can pick what park you're visiting on which day. So Disney knows who's arriving. Now you can change your mind after you pick a park, but, um, they won't let you in unless you have that park pass and reading 
the social media of people who were unfamiliar with that change is really sad. There's a lot of people who have booked spring break trips that weren't able to get park pass reservations. And so, mm. so that's been kind of discouraging, but just that's again, another tip for planning ahead, knowing all of these changes. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that are on pause that may or may not return. One of them being dining plans. Um, when you stay on site, you were able to purchase a dining plan, which is really, I thought was really helpful for that budgeting purpose. Um, you were able to pick one of the different levels of dining and build that into your total cost. So you already know how much you potentially would spend on food. And that again, is just for that, um, thinking about your vacation fund, you know, and that way you can just build in that money and you can still use those costs of dining plan to estimate how much money you're going to spend. So, um, so again, I encourage everybody to check out that website for all of those changes. That's COVID. great to know. That's great to know. And, you know, I don't know if I told you this or not, Stacey, but I was at Disney in this past September. So during COVID and I have to say, I felt safer at Disney than I feel at our local Walmart or basically any other store. I mean, they enforce those social distancing guidelines and mask wearing, I felt incredibly safe while I was there. And you're right, like not having the parades and things like that, it was a different experience. We didn't have fast passes. So things weren't like time to the minute, except for our dining reservations. And I actually felt like it was a little bit freeing to lean more into that spontaneity of that trip that time. So um, one of the things you brought up, Stacey, was staying on site on Disney property versus not. So can you share some of the pros and cons of staying on site or not? Sure. So Disney World and Disneyland are, are very different in this answer to this question. So I'll start with Disney World. But like I had mentioned before, you know, Disney World offers that bubble where they currently offer a free complimentary shuttle for visitors arriving, air visitors arriving at um, Orlando Airport. You hop on a shuttle, they bring you right to your resort. Um, they used to deliver your luggage to your room, that's on pause right now. But again, if you didn't look out the window, you could essentially land, arrive at your resort and you are in that bubble. You can spend your entire vacation going from your resort to the parks and back and not see anything else. And so that is, if you're looking for that magical experience, then an on-site resort is definitely for you. Um, a note that Magical Express is, the complimentary part is ending on December 31st of 2021. So um, I feel like um, that, you know, they're gonna have to have some replacement for that. It just might have a, a cost. So planning ahead, just knowing that I, my 2022 visitors, just knowing there might be that added cost. Um, once you're in the park, um, all of your reservations and all of everything can be combined into your My Disney experience. So it's really nice to have a one type planning um, location. Um, you are able to get a magic band attached to your reservation. Um, you can have a magic band if you stay on site or off site, but if you have one of those, if you're staying on site, then you can use that as your room key. You can charge purchases to your reservation. Um, a magic band is a plastic bracelet. It's like an accessory, a fashion accessory that most of us have several of them. Um, and it used to be where if you stayed on site, the magic band was complimentary as part of your stay. However, right now, um, it, it you do it that you can get a discount they start about five dollars and they go up in price depending on if you want a specialty band or not so along with having everything all together make it more of a seamless type vacation um staying on site offers a couple other things such as a more flexible cancellation policy um soon there will be these extra um early park hours. It used to be extra magic hours, but now they're transitioning to early park hours, which is nice only for on-site residents are able to get into the park about a half hour earlier than everyone else. Um, there aren't hidden resort fees attached to your 
um, reservation. I know a lot of offsite hotels, you know, they look great. They have a great price, but when you get there, sometimes there's a few hidden resort fees on there that were unexpected. Um, now onsite do <clears throat> onsite do, um, charge you for parking. So you will have to, if you drive to a resort, you will pay to park. However, you can drive to the parks and pay for free. So I'm sorry, you have to pay at the resort, but you can park at the uh, parks for free. So there's that. Um, within the on-site resorts at Disney, there are three different levels. The value, the moderate, and deluxe. I know we've mentioned them a couple of times. Um, they start, you know, value as expected, starts at more of the lower price range with a few lower amenities. It's still a great time. That's where I go. That's why we can go more than once a year. And then up to deluxe, which is what you would expect, the higher price range. They offer more of those fancier dinner places. They have character experiences. Um, location's a big deal with those. So if you wanted to be on the monorail line right across the lake from Magic Kingdom, then you're going to you know, want to book at that deluxe. So in general, the staying on site at Disney offers just a little more convenience. Um, if you're going down for just a couple days, um, only want to do Disney, then I, I encourage my guests to do an on site resort. On the other hand, if you are a large group, if you have lots of kids, grandma, grandpa, aunt and uncle, and you all want to stay together, if you all want to be like, this is our family vacation, we just want to be in one place, um, not in multiple different hotel rooms, then it can get quite expensive by staying at, on an on-site Disney. They do offer um, the villa options, but most of the time an off-site resort that offers those same large size of condos or houses, those can be a little bit less. Um, so thinking of that, when I have a family come to me and say, we have 13 people that want to go, you know, we all want to stay together and just explore, then I sometimes encourage them to look at on-site, but also off-site as well. Um, also, if you're going for a lengthy time, um, you may want to visit some other aspects of the Orlando area, such as Universal or SeaWorld, then staying on, or staying in that bubble isn't necessarily as important to you. So staying off-site can definitely be an advantage. Um, sure. So I've done yeah. both. I prefer on-site just because I like my bubble, but there, you know, off-site is okay too. So. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that it's easier to do this in Disneyland because you're in the middle of the city, but are Airbnbs kind of an option for people? Is at, at Disney World, I don't know, like, is it too far away from anything to get an Airbnb? No, absolutely not. Lots of people rent houses and condos near Disney World. Um, you know, you can absolutely that's an option, especially like I said, if you're a larger group or if you have, um, you know, uh, I have a family who has a credit from last year through Vacasa, like they have like a, a credit and they want to use it. So you just have to keep in mind that when you stay off site, um, transportation is going to be one of your barriers. Um, you know, the farther away, the less expensive the place is, but then it also going to take you a longer time to get back to the parks. So um, some places do offer shuttles, some condos and some um, offsite resorts, um, but then you're restricted to their timelines. Um, so if you stay offsite, it's best to have a car. Um, you will, depending on where you stay, if you're at a house, um, Airbnb reservation, then probably your parking is free at your house, but then you will pay to park when you go to the parks. So you'll have that, but absolutely staying off site is definitely an option. Um, you're not going to get as much Disney theming and you might have to stop at a stoplight and go past three Walmarts on your way to magic kingdom. But you know, again, it just, it, Disney will welcome you no matter how you get there. So. Great. You know, I just starting to think more logistically about, uh, bringing my little kids and families that want to bring kids, but also for our, you know, budget 
conscious listeners and clients, what are some things that you should and can bring with you into a Disney park? Sure. So again, along with COVID there, Disney offers a whole list of things on their website and I encourage everyone to read it because I can tell you, but again, you reading the list makes it seem like it's not my role as Disney's role. Mm -hmm. um, the first important thing is to think about what kind of backpack you're going to carry around. Um, you know, a 10 pound backpack after three hours gets really heavy. So I encourage people to practice at home. I know that sounds funny, but like fill your backpack at home and walk around, fill it with things you think you're going to take. Um, because again, along with a heavy backpack an uncomfortable backpack is not, not so much fun either. So just that planning ahead, thinking about that little, um, aspect is helpful as you are getting ready to go. Um, I find that by day three, a lot of guests have either nixed the backpack or have taken lots of things out of it because I personally am an overpacker. I think, oh my gosh, the weather might change three times. I need three outfits, but guess what? Disney has stores and they will sell you things if you forget something. Right. So, um, you also, if you, um, if you stay on site or off site, there are different grocery delivery companies that will deliver things to you. So, you know, and I, so, some of those may include medications and that sort of thing. So if, again, if you forget something, don't worry about it, but, um, in general, some things that you're going to want to bring with you, um, you know, if you have a little one, you're going to have to bring supplies for them, you know, the diapers, the wipes, that sort of thing. Um, there are baby care centers within all of the parks, which are air conditioned. They offer private rooms if you need a private room. Um, so those are really helpful to know where they are if you have a little one. Um, so along with that, you're going to need your COVID gear, your, uh, you know, your facial coverings. I encourage you to have at least two or three masks to change out throughout the day. Um, it gets hot in Florida. Um, you're going to sweat. And so having a couple extra masks are really nice. Um, a portable phone charger. That's mm -hmm. pretty important with everything being digital. Your phone battery is going to drain very quickly. So having one of those, um, is, is a good idea for, you know, just, just for your use. Disney has different stations where you can purchase portable chargers, but if you have your own, that's something that's definitely okay to bring. Um, it's going to rain. Um, unless you go in December, it's going to rain. And at least in Disneyland, it's going to rain. So having a poncho or extra socks, if you are wearing tennis shoes, um, a stroller rain cover, those sorts of things are helpful to have. Um, walking along around wet is okay for a while, but then it gets kind of uncomfortable. So, you know, just kind of keep that in mind. Um, I, and I probably, you too, Michael need some sunscreen. Uh -huh. Um, my husband's also, you know, got, got the red hair. And so he, he is in charge of that. I don't ever have to worry about bringing enough sunscreen, but, um, or hat, make sure you wear your, uh, your sun hat, um, along with that chapstick. I know that sounds silly, but just, um, have a, have a chapstick because your lips are going to get really dry as you're walking around in the heat. Um, a tip that I learned recently is Ziploc bags. So you never know when you're going to need a Ziploc bag. Um, they're kind of amazing. If you have your wet socks or if you have a wet shirt, you can just yank it in there and, and then your everything else in your bag is going to get, um, or not get wet. Um, if you have food leftovers, if you go somewhere and you know, your child didn't finish their food and you're like, oh my gosh, but I know in 10 minutes they're going to be hungry take that Ziploc bag out and take it with you. So that's, that's Genius. kind of a fun tip. Yeah. Um, and some things that you shouldn't bring with you. So there's also that list as well. Um, 
you are able to purchase a refillable drink mug at your resort, which allows you to have refillable drinks throughout your stay. It's a great purchase, especially if you're a big pop drinker like me, or um, you can put coffee in it as well. So that can be a good uh, a good tip for financial savings, but um, don't bring it to the parks. They You can't get it refilled in the parks and they're kind of bulky and it's just an extra space taker upper. So you're not gonna want that. Um, don't bring any loose ice with you. Um, a couple uh, last year, two years ago, Disney said no more loose ice. Interesting rule, but don't bring that. You can bring a cooler, um, but it has to fit Disney's dimensions. So again, make sure you refer to that website. That goes along with your stroller size. Um, no wagons, first of all, nothing being pulled. You're not allowed to bring those. And then large strollers. Um, that's why I, I always encourage people to rent strollers unless you want to take it on the plane or need it for other reasons. But if you rent a stroller, especially um, there's some third party companies that will deliver right to your resort and pick up from your resort. Um, they follow Disney's size rules. So you don't even have to worry about if Disney will let it in or not. That's great. Um, yeah. And honestly, in general, if you have a question about what you need to bring this, you know, if you ask me, I'm going to pull up that list and go through it. So Perfect. No, that's, that's a great, great start of, uh, cause some of those things I wouldn't even thought of. So that's really great. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing, you know, we don't have kids yet. And I was like, I didn't even realize they limited stroller size or you couldn't bring wagons or things like that. So thanks for sharing some of those things. Um, one thing that I thought of, uh, is that first aid station was really helpful for me. So knowing I don't have to bring like headache medicine or stuff like that, because you might get a headache after you start riding some roller coasters or things like that. And I didn't realize the first aid station would just give me an ibuprofen and, you know, I could go on about my day and things like that. So that's kind of a nice feature cool. too of Disney. So yeah, those first aid stations, I that, thank you for mentioning that. Those are awesome. I, I learned that um, if you have a medication refill, a prescription refill that you need, you can call your pharmacy and they will actually send it to one of those first aid stations. So if you oh, forget your medication cool. or if you lose it, I guess, um, you know, there might be restrictions on what kind, but I do know that that can happen. So that's really interesting to know. Um, yeah, that's great. That's a great tip. I, that's another yeah. thing I just, yeah, no, and I just learned that just again, you know, you learn tips all the time. It's kind of this overwhelmingness, fun thing of learning all of these things <laughs> constantly. Oh. So here's a fun question for you, because just like you, I look at Disney as an investment, uh, not so much a cost or, or things like that. So what are some options that might be an additional cost, but you really find are worth it when it comes to having that amazing Disney experience? Yes, all the extras. Disney is really good at that, of coming up with new extras to do all of the time. Um, so one I want to mention that's free, that's kind of fun, is um, get a celebration park button. So regardless of why you're there, Disney will give you a button and you wear that sucker with pride. Um, there are buttons for a first visit, there's buttons for birthday, and there's um, anniversary. There's some that just say celebration and you can type in or write in whatever you want. You know, if it's a new job, if it's a big move, wear that because you never know when pixie dust is going to head your way. So pixie dust is Disney's fancy term for something special happening to you. Um, I, was, I was also able to spend my 40th birthday in Disney and um, I wore my Disney button and even just all the people saying happy birthday to me was like, oh. you know, it just made me happy. So if your child is walking around with the first button, just that, you know, it, it just makes it a great experience adding that little bit of extra and it doesn't cost anything. You can pick those up at your resort in the parks at guest services. They're all over the place. Just ask cool. for a celebration button. So that's kind of a fun, fun extra that's free. Um, 
Also, that's free that you can do is you can ask for, you know, if you get to your room and you're like, gosh, I really wish, um, you know, my room wasn't so close to the elevator because sometimes that might distract you from your entire experience. Call the front desk and they really would like to work with you. Um, now, they can't make you move from a standard room to a preferred room, like sometimes they're limited in that, such as, you know, if you book a standard, they're not going to automatically move you to a theme park view. But in general, they like, you know, if you have a stroller and don't want to use the elevator, you just want to have a ground floor, they can work on that with you. Um, ask for a specific table location in a restaurant. Sometimes having that location next to um, a window so you're able to look out really helps make that experience a little bit better. Um, and then also some rides, some are more fun in the front and then in the back or more fun in the back. So again, just a few extras that are free. No, that wasn't your question, but those are fun to, to kind of push in there. Um, now paid options that make your experience awesome. Um, I really encourage memory maker. Um, that is the photo package that you can add on to your trip. Um, you know, you pay a lot of money to go to Disney. You want to remember it. You want to post that picture on social media. So everybody likes it. So they know that you are there and you are having a great time and they're jealous of you and they want to go those fantastic pictures. A lot of them come from photo pass photographers. They're photographers that are stationed throughout all parks, some at resorts, some at Disney Springs, um, and they will take your picture. They'll take your picture as many times as you want. They'll take different angles. They'll throw in a magic shot. They'll take a picture of you by yourself, just your kids, again, whatever you want. Um, and then all of those are attached to your My Disney Experience. If you have purchased the Memory Maker, then you can have all of those free downloads. No matter if you have 10 pictures or if you have 130 pictures, those are all yours and you have property of them. You can print them. Um, they do have photo pass stores where you can go in and if you wanted them to print one for you, you can, but if you just want the digital rights, they're yours with that memory maker. So um, it's really helpful because if you have four people in your family, um, you don't, you want all of those four people in your pictures. You don't want to have to keep asking somebody to ask, or you don't want to have to ask somebody to take your picture. You want mom and dad and the kids in that picture all the time. And that's just a great way. Um, before COVID, the, the photographers were able to use your phone to take pictures. Now that is also a no-no right now. So um, the memory maker starts at 169 for your entire visit. No matter if you're two days or seven days, 10 days, um, that's as much as it costs. If you purchase it before you go, you save um, that. That's the advanced purchase price. If you buy it when you get there, it's $30 more. Oh. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, they get you after they, after you see how magical those photos exactly. really are. Exactly, the convenience yeah. of it. So, and I know that seems really steep, but... I think about it, you know, I, I would encourage somebody to not do something else as opposed to the memory maker. Um, just, we get it every time, even though, you know, we have a hundred pictures in front of the castle. It's still, I've watched my girls grow up yeah. of all of our pictures in front of it. And just, they make sure you have a great picture. You know, they know mm -hmm. they have the, the lighting, especially for a night picture. They have all that lighting equipment. So yeah. So that's a great extra to add. Um, some a few other additions. So that with um, for your tickets, you can add a park hopper option. So you can have a base ticket, but then you can also add a park hopper, which means you can visit more than one park in one day. Um, that's great for those adults that are wanting to have that, or those frequent visitors that really want to visit a park in the morning, then a park at night. Um, just know that's an added cost. Um, 
you can do those signature dining experiences. That's a fun experience if you're celebrating something. I ran the Princess Half Marathon back in 2017. Um, and Ben's like, how do you want to celebrate? And I said, I want to go to California Grill, wear my medal and go watch the fireworks. And that's what we did. And it was amazing. So, um, so I don't know, you know, and my daughters have really enjoyed when they were little, they're older now, but when they were little, we ate at Cinderella's Royal Table, which is the restaurant in the castle. And that's, it. it, it is shocking how much they charge you for a meal there but at the same time you're in cinderella's castle eating food so yeah. you know people go there that's why disney can charge you for that so um just a few of those extra things um help make it magical um and when you can doubt, budget stop. for it right you can budget for cinderella's royal table right. if exactly it's something it. you want to save for absolutely yeah. exactly and that's kind of when you know that, those things come up now, I don't necessarily bring all those up in my initial conversation, especially because it gets really overwhelming. But as we move forward, I know I learned from them. I have princess fanatics. We have to see the castle. Then I suggest to them, well, an added bonus would be having a meal at the castle, you know, and then we talk about how that can add into your, your total cost. So, so there's always something fun to add. Yeah. What about some tips, Stacey, for like getting the best deals, discounts, like saving money in general? Do you have any insider info for us on that? Absolutely. Um, so that question I get all the time, can you get us a deal at Disney? And the, the short answer is no, I, I, I cannot make Disney charge less. I wish, because that would be helpful, but I, I don't. Um, however, there are ways I can guide you in spending less money than what you would spend before. I had mentioned um, food you can do that dining plan and you can sort of plan ahead, but you can also have grocery delivery. Um, you know, if you know that you don't want to eat in a restaurant, you want to, especially if you're staying, you know, renting a house or if you have a, uh, an onsite location that has a, um, a kitchen, you can have groceries delivered and you don't have to eat in the parks. I feel sad for you at least once you should eat in the parks, but you know, you can definitely cut down on some food costs that way. Um, there are discounts out there. Um, like I said, there's those promotions that generally pop up, room resort, you know, a spring package or a fall package. It is my job after you book to make sure that I add all those promotions to keep cutting, you know, your total costs down. Um, if you're a member of the military, um, you can definitely get some military discounts. There is a specific military resort. Um, they have their own set of requirements, but that is a good way to get a discount at Disney. Um, if you are a visa, Disney visa holder, um, that annual pass holder, if you're a Disney Vacation Club member, which is Disney's timeshare um, company, um, you know, you can get discounts on food. You can get discounts on sometimes on room that they don't offer um, to us, uh, us non-members. Um, so, you know, again, once you book, you can kind of, you know, find your way into some of those extras that will reduce your costs. Um, I mentioned time of year, you know, if you have a Christmas trip booked and that's just not going well, but you really want to go, you know, to Cinderella's castle for lunch, then maybe you look at, if you can save that amount of money by if you change and go during the summertime. So, you know, you can just kind of look at all those different options. Um, one that was interesting that I just learned about is plan a late departure on your last day. So, um, and have a flight, you know, a 11, 12 a.m. flight, explore, buy an extra day of tickets. Because again, I said, when you add those extra days, sometimes the difference between the, the more days is a lot less. Add that extra day, but don't stay the night. So fly out later that mm -hmm. night. So, you know, you enjoy a day at the parks, but yet, you're not having to pay for the accommodations at night. Um, so 
And then one other one are gift cards. I know you mentioned the Disney vacation um, accounts. Those are great. Those are awesome for people to, you know, put that in that and just kind of watch it grow and say, okay, there's my trip. It's growing. It's growing. You can also buy gift cards. I have a, a guest who she's a member of BJ's, which is a you know, one of those big box stores, she buys all, she pays off all of her trips by buying gift Disney gift cards when they come up um, on discount from them. Um, you can pay for anything Disney using those gift cards and they don't expire. So you buy those in bulk and, you know, the savings does add up. So she adds it up, she pays it off. And so that's a fun way to save. I know Target also, um, when you buy gift cards at Target, if you're a red card member, you can save 5%. Um, so the one thing I don't advise is buying discounted tickets. Now there's some reputable companies, certainly, you know, do your research. I only sell, or I don't sell, I only um, help guests purchase tickets directly from Disney, but there are ways that you can buy them online. Um, when you get in the Orlando area, you're going to see these billboards all over the place that say $39 Disney tickets. Many of those are not legit tickets. They're outdated or, you know, a lot of them are attached to a whole day timeshare presentation. So mm -hmm. if you buy them, sure, but then they're going to send you, you know, to go listen to some timeshare, you know, present, like is that presentation. And so, mm -hmm. um, so if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, so so, you know, that's, that, like I said, there are a few word of warning. Yeah. I always wondered how they were doing that. Cause I was like, I have never gotten Disney tickets for close to $39. No. Like what is the catch on that? So good. I'm glad I wasn't missing anything. Cause I've often yeah. wondered that myself. Yeah. I don't personally know anybody who's ever done the timeshare. I've read about them, you know, just on various sources and it is not a pleasant experience. It's not worth it. Cause yeah. then they lose their whole park day to begin with, you know? So it's, it, it it's just kind of shady. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those usually aren't very fun at all. Um, no. You know, I just, you know, we get uh, Disneyland commercials on TV all the time out here. And I just saw, and I, I was half watching, um, but that they were offering something like if you buy four nights or four, four days, you get additional two days for free or something like that. Is that yep. Yep. trying to get people to go, right? Probably. Absolutely. And that, oh, go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. I'm done. Sorry, I do a lot of interrupting when I get talking Disney. All I want to do is just talk. So Please do. <laughs> I can, I'm probably talking really loudly too. Um, yes, that is one of their spring promotions. Um, so if you purchase four more day tickets, then you get, um, you know, those two additional free. And that's just a great way for you to add bonus. Now, a caution of that is if I, I had a guest who took advantage of that and it was awesome for her. I had another family that... Um, we're only going to go for three days and they were considering, you know, was it worth it when we added the price in for their accommodations, it wasn't. So again, when you, you just have to look at all the promotions and see if they're beneficial to you when, when they're released. So, so yeah, that's great. I imagine um, this summer we'll be hearing something about summer, you know, and expanding the Disney world or the Disney family um, Disney cruise line also offers those occasional promotions as does Alani, which is that resort in Hawaii. Um, so, so something to know, think about, right. Something to yeah. consider for sure. Correct. You know, we're, I think we we're probably, uh, just wrapping up here with all this awesome information, but I think one thing that some people want to know is what are like the hidden gems in some parks that are maybe people don't know about or things that you should experience that are maybe off the beaten path a little bit. Sure. So 
everybody experiences Disney differently. So everybody's going to get their own favorites. Um, I have my own favorite resort. I have my own favorite park. I have my own favorite restaurant. I even have my own favorite bathroom, right? Mm. So everybody's going to get their favorite once they're there, depending on, on what they like. So the hidden gem is finding that favorite, finding what makes Disney really special to you. Um, you might really like, um, you know, the nighttime, riding a ride in the night, watching the castle lit up over in the distance. That's pretty magical. And it's even more magical when they have fireworks going on. So that's pretty cool. Mm. Um, you know, you might enjoy that special dinner, you know, especially the food is amazing. Who you're with is amazing. Um, a lot of character dining is awesome where um, the characters roam around and you get to see them. My gosh, I had dinner with Mickey Mouse, you know, that's pretty cool. And um, previously he gave me a hug, but now we waved at each other from afar, you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, so a few hidden gems. Um, it's, I mentioned it's going to rain. It will rain um, pretty much from spring through fall. It will rain. Don't, don't let that discourage you. Enjoy the rain. Embrace it. Um, some rides will shut down, but some of them won't. Um, a good time to use um, or to ride some rides is during the rain, such as the safari over at Animal Kingdom. Those animals love that rain. So if you ride that safari in the rain, you might see some animals that you don't typically see. So that's kind of a fun little insider gem right there. Um, uh, another one is, um, again, ride an attraction at different times of the day. I mentioned riding a ride at night, which you get a whole different experience and then ride it in the morning when there's less lines. So, you know, that's kind of fun. Um, outside of Haunted Mansion, there's a, um, a graveyard and take the time to read those details. The, a lot of those headstones have really funny sayings on them. So it's just kind of fun to don't just rush through things, kind of stop and watch that. Um, in general, like I said, I just mentioned, don't rush, don't rush. Take some time to be like, I'm going to stop and just enjoy Disney for what it is. All those small details. Um, use your senses. Um, there's a ride figment in um, Epcot that tell, it talks about your senses. And I always think of figment when I, when I am at Disney, just because he helps me realize, gosh, darn it, I'm at Disney. You know, I'm not at home. I'm, I'm, I'm here in the magic. I'm going to stop and enjoy what's going on. I mean, look at all the sites. There's hidden Mickey's all over the place. All the little details. Walking down Main Street, you can... The windows that are lying Main Street are all from um, all related to previous Disney um, animators and important people from long ago that were important in the Disney empire. Um, you know, find um, the smells. Okay, so there's a, the, the smellitizers are really a thing. You walk into a different resort, you're going to be bombarded with smells and it's different for each resort. Um, the uh, um, Beach Club, which is my favorite resort to go sit in the lobby. You walk in there and you just want to to not leave because the smell is amazing. Mm. So enjoy that smell. Um, you know, here each land has their own sound and music that comes out. And so I can recognize a ride now by just listening. I know, Jacqueline, I know it sounds like you really like music as well. You know, to get pumped up, you can just listen to music. When my family is in a sad mood I just play us some Disney music and we there's YouTube videos out there that will have you guess the Disney ride just based on their music so so you know there's not really one favorite hidden gem it's just in general just the experience of being there that's such a good point my first trip I wanted to just do everything and we were exhausted by the end of the trip which in my mind is like a sign that you had a great time if you're exhausted by the end of your Disney trip but as I've gone on more trips as an adult really we've like 
one of our trips to magic kingdom, my husband was like, I just want to walk through each land and really like look at the different things and not be on such a, like a rushed schedule. So that's what we did because we'd been to magic kingdom so many times at that point, it was really fun to get to see all the little details that you sometimes skip when you're, you know, so focused on your, your ride schedule and things like that. So I love that. Um, so Stacy, big question for you, how does working with you as my travel planner work? What are some of the, the perks of working with someone like you? Well, thanks. That's a fun question. Um, <laughs> so most importantly, everyone needs to realize that working with a travel agent is free to the guest. Um, travelers do not pay anything extra for me to assist them with their travels, um, at least through my key to the world. I know that there's some third party companies that may charge a fee, but as far as my services, they're completely free. Um, so my job is to make sure that you get your vacation that you want with the price point that you want um, with the planning um, support that you want. I do get paid by a commission from Disney um, and other suppliers. So I do get, I do get reimbursed, but I do get reimbursed by someone other than you. Um, it is important to know that guests who use travel planners actually pay the same price as guests who do not. So, um, so that my fee is built into Disney. They um, really like the use of travel planners because they want you to have a great time. They want you to be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And they want you to book your next trip before you leave. So we assist that in giving you all the information ahead of time and helping with that planning. Um, so for me personally, most of my guests are friends, family, coworkers, word of mouth, a lot of repeat guests. Um, and so after that initial contact with me, then I just work with them. I take that initial interview. We work together, kind of make a plan. I give them quotes. We talk about, you know, does this match your budget? Is it a little too high, a little too low? <laughs> and then let's add more if we can. But um, after we get that um, sort of initial quote, depending on how you're booking, depending on where you're staying, we can then go forward with some deposits. Um, nobody ever pays me. I then assist you with paying the company directly. So um, usually the guests will give me their payment information and then I can then enter that in the information. And then I keep track of all those dates. I know you mentioned, um, you know, there's dates for deposits, dates for final payment, dates for lots of different things. And so my job is to keep track of that and give you reminders of, hey, this is coming up. You know, you might want to make sure all, all the finances are in order. So that's a benefit for working is I will do all that organization for you if you want it. Um, so I'm available during your trip as well. I have guests at Magic Kingdom right now, and I've gotten a couple pictures this morning of, of some happy little girls in front of Cinderella Castle. And so I'm that, that makes me happy. So I, I get like excited just getting those. Um, so during the planning, I also send out a weekly email minimum of just some updates of what's going on with Disney. So I feel like customer service is the biggest thing that you get when working with a travel planner. Um, you can find information online. There's a lot of bad information online. My job is to make sure you get the good information. Um, a lot of opinions online, those are good. Opinions are always good, but they may not always match with what your family will experience. So um, it's kind of a team approach. I work with you to help figure out what you want your Disney trip to look like. So, so yeah, contact me. I'm really excited to help you. Even if it's just to get, you know, quote, quotes are free every, you know, I mean, just, just to get a general idea of how much it costs to, to take your family on their dream vacation. And then just for that planning. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that working with the 
Disney travel planner was not an extra cost. So it's really cool that you pay the same and then you have all those extra perks of working with the planner, having someone, you know, Michael, especially you could really benefit from this, having someone do all the planning yeah. for no, you. That's exactly what I was going to say is that, you know, Stacy and I have been, I mean, we've known each other for a long time, um, but we've been literally emailing for a year at least talking about planning this Disney vacation because we started just as COVID was really happening and we've been putting it off for that reason. But just thinking of all these options for me and that I'm not a, a, a planner, that having someone create the plan for me and doing all the, the research and kind of finding that and then me just being able to, able to enjoy the day and focusing on what, you know, we as a family want to do, like that's that's amazing and the value and knowing that that Stacy still gets paid, but I don't have to pay extra to it is, is even even better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Stacy, how can people get in contact with you if they want you to help them book their next Disney vacation or any of the other different types of vacations you can help them plan? Awesome. Well, my email um, is usually the most consistent way. I check it frequently. Um, I, I, my, I have a goal to respond within 24 hours of every email. Um, it's S dot Ellis. So it's S dot E L L I S at key to the world travel.com. Um, and on Facebook, I do have an account at Stacy Ellis at key to the world travel. Um, I do have an Instagram Stacy Ellis underscore K T T W. So you can find me on social media. If you search for my name and put key to the world, you'll be able to find me. Um, and I can also give my information to Michael and you, Jacqueline, and you guys can put it on your physical fitness page as well. Um, you know, I encourage everyone. There's a website called Theme Park Professor. Um, they also have a Facebook and an Instagram website. They do daily articles of everything Disney. It's a sponsored website through Key to the World, and they really only publish that good, valid information. So um, that's a good place to start with some information as well. That's so. great. And we'll put all of your links to your Instagram, your Facebook, your email, all of that right in the show notes for this episode. Awesome. So anyone who's listening that wants to get in touch with Stacy, definitely check out the show notes page so you can get those direct links to her. So I think that's basically about a wrap on our, our everything Disney Ooh. planning podcast episode, right, Michael? And I think so. I, I am excited and overwhelmed and looking forward <laughs> to working with Stacy for sure. I find that a lot after a first conversation, I almost feel guilty sometimes because it can be really overwhelming, especially if you're unfamiliar. So please know that there's so much more that goes into this. And this is just the surface of, you know, your Disney vacation. And there's multiple conversations that will happen um, as you start the planning process. But I was so excited to share all this with you. As you can tell, I talk fast and get really happy when I, when anything Disney pops up. So who doesn't, who doesn't? <laughs> And for those of you who are interested in a Disney trip as your next vacation, or any other vacation to that matter, please make sure you contact Stacy so she can help you plan your stress-free dream vacation. I personally can't wait to start working with Stacy on our Disney vacation coming up here pretty soon. And if you feel like you want help with the budgeting side of things, whether it's budgeting for your dream vacation, building your emergency fund, or paying off debt, or anything, just so you stress less about money, Coach Jacqueline is here to help you. Give us a call at 480-788-4588 or check out our website at www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. Thank you all and have a great day and enjoy your vacation. If you would like more information about how we can help you take the stress out of money with one-on-one -on -one financial coaching, please check out our website, www.fiscalfitnessphx.com. And please join our private Facebook group by going to facebook.com slash groups slash fiscal fitness money.
And if you have a passion for personal finance and are interested in helping others take the stress out of money by becoming a financial coach, check out our financial coach training program at www.financialcoachacademy.com and join our free Facebook group by searching Facebook for Financial Coaches Unite. We'll see you on the next episode of the Fiscal Fitness Podcast, where we'll help the world take the stress out of money.